Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. I'm Jill Gordon-Smith. And this is the Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Map Guide. Today we're going to be talking about New Zealand. New Zealand is a wine producing country that's probably best known for its fresh, pungent, vibrant Sauvignon Blanc. And it's a style that's inspired winemakers in many other wine regions. However, it has a reputation for making premium quality Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Syrah and Bordeaux style blends. So there is far more to New Zealand than just one grape variety. It's located in the Pacific Ocean. It's around 2,000 kilometres from Australia. And that means it experiences a maritime climate overall. In the south, the climate's cool, whereas in the north, it's slightly warmer. There are long sunshine hours, nights cooled by sea breezes and a long ripening period which allows grapes to reach very high levels of sugar and also flavour ripeness while retaining acidity. The vineyards of the South Island are mainly on the east side and they're protected from those rain-bearing westerly winds by mountains in the centre of the island. However, many of the vineyard areas still have lots of rainfall and that can be problematic during ripening. Fortunately, the soils are very free-draining, so don't experience waterlogging. However, those on flat land can be overly fertile, which can lead to excessive shoot and leaf growth. New Zealand viticulturists have become experts in trellising and other canopy management techniques, which have been sent out to many other areas of the world. The New Zealand wine industry is very strongly committed to reducing the environmental impact of their vineyard management and winery practices. So sustainable viticulture is something that sets winery standards and helps growers achieve these aims. Since the early 1990s, Sauvignon Blanc has been firmly established as New Zealand's flagship grape, and it accounts for the majority of wine production. It's pungent, it's intense, and it has racy acidity. There are subtle differences in the styles of the North and South Islands. In the North, you have Sauvignon Blanc with more tropical flavours, and in the South, you have higher acidity and lots of green capsicum, otherwise known as bell pepper, and gooseberry notes. It's usually fermented in inert vessels at cool temperatures to keep those fruity flavours, but some producers are also making some oak-produced styles. Chardonnay is widely planted and a number of winemaking techniques are used. However, the general style tends to be led by concentrated citrus and tropical fruits with subtle hints of toast and sweet spice from New French oak. Riesling, Gewurztraminer 
and the semi-aromatic Pinot Gris have also been widely planted. You've got dry autumns, cool night temperatures to make sure that those aromatic compounds have plenty of time to develop before the grapes are harvested. The wines range from dry to sweet, but off-dry tends to be the most prevalent. Pinot Noir is the second most planted grape variety in New Zealand after Sauvignon Blanc. It's widely grown throughout the South Island and within a few selected sites in the North Island. The profile would be vibrant fruit, fine ripe tannins, soft texture and quite high levels of alcohol. But there are some distinct regional styles that are emerging. Thank you for listening to Italian Wine Podcast. We know there are many of you listening out there, so we just want to interrupt for a small ask. Italian Wine Podcast is in the running for an award, the best podcast listening platform through the Podcast Awards, the People's Choice. Listener nominations is from July 1st to the 31st, and we would really appreciate your vote. We are hoping our listeners will come through for us. So if you have a second and could do this small thing for us, just head to italianwinepodcast.com from July 1st to the 31st and click the link. We thank you and back to the show. Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon are also planted and they make up some fantastic Bordeaux-style blends. Syrah is another great variety that performs best in warmer sites and produces elegant wines closer in style to those of the Rhone than the hotter climates of Australia. The plantings are small, but they're increasing. In the North Island, we have Auckland, And this is where the wine industry in New Zealand started off. And there are still many large wineries based there. It's warm and it's wet and fungal diseases can be an issue. Chardonnay, Merlot and Syrah would be the most planted varieties here. You could take a ferry to Waiheke Island and that has a growing reputation for top quality wines, particularly reds. Hawke's Bay, this vineyard area is located close to the twin towns of Hastings and Napier. And that's situated on the east coast of the North Island in an estuary plain. This is the warmest of the main grape growing areas and has the longest sunshine hours. This area, which is second only to Marlborough in the extent of its plantings, is particularly diverse with regard to its soils and wine styles can vary greatly. One area that is in particular of note would be Gimlet Gravels, which is a parcel of well-drained heat-absorbing gravel soil on the valley floor and it has a high reputation for black varieties. Some premium Syrah is produced here as well as Cabernet and Merlot that goes into Bordeaux blends. Waipara is made up of a number of small vineyard areas spread over a wide area at the southern tip of the North Island. The most important area is around the small town of Martinborough, which is often overlooked, but it has a global reputation for Pinot Noir. There is a wide diurnal range of temperatures here, which makes it suitable for the grape variety. Coming down to the South Island, we come to the most famous region, Marlborough, and this is the major centre for grape growing in New Zealand and Sauvignon Blanc makes up the majority of the plantings here. Most of the vineyards lie in two valleys, Wairu, which is the largest, and Awotere. The climate in the Wairu Valley is very similar to Martinborough with long sunny days, but this large valley is far from uniform. In particular, there are a number of side valleys on the southern side that give producers a range of aspects and altitudes to work with. The Awatara Valley is drier, cooler and windier, so savblogs from here have a higher acidity with a pronounced herbaceous character and lack the tropical fruit flavours that can be found in some of the wines from the Wairu Valley. Coming down to Nelson, on the northwest of the Waru Valley, on the north coast of the South Island, Nelson's cooler and wetter than Marlborough, so Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris dominate the plantings here. If we come down to Canterbury, it has two main centres of viticulture, one west of Christchurch and a larger one, the Waipera Valley, to the north. So the plain area is exposed to the cooling influence of the Pacific, though there is a slight warming effect from the northwesterly winds. 
and that's more marked in Waipara, which is less exposed to the ocean due to a range of hills. Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir are the most planted varieties, but Waipara is also noted for high-quality Rieslings. One of my favourite areas would be central Otago, and that's located inland in the foothills of the southern New Zealand Alps. So this has a continental climate compared to the maritime climate of a lot of the New Zealand areas. The climate being continental means frost damage is a real risk in spring and autumn. Summers are warm, but the diurnal range in the growing season is very large. The intensity of sunlight is very high, which accounts for the high levels of alcohol. Pinot Noir here, you will find, is very often more like a red wine than Pinot Noir, but still has some classic characters. The wines tend to be full-bodied, juicy and vibrant and have very concentrated ripe red fruit flavours. Other important varieties here would be Pinot Gris, Riesling and Chardonnay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitaly Academy home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.